When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. We had a home birth back in 2016. So we started a podcast about it. And then grew it into a birth brand to help future and current parents believe in their success with home birth. This is the place to hear home birth stories along with helpful resources and tips to feel empowered and supported in your birth journey. This is Doing It At Home. Welcome home. Today's episode is VBAC, HBAC, and when your birth turns you into a birth worker with Stephanie King. A great question from this episode is, how often is intervention necessary? And at least from this show, from the hundreds of stories we've collected and conversations that we've had, what we've found and learned is that more interventions seem to be unnecessary rather than necessary. And that's something we talk about a little bit with Stephanie today, as well as the topic of becoming a birth worker when you are so impacted by your own birth stories, your own birth experiences and journeys. There are many of you out there. We've had lots of you on the show. And then I'm sure many of you are listening where your own birth journey inspired you to get into birth work. And I am so Digging that. I love hearing those stories. I love hearing what goes into that and what the inspiration is and what you end up doing, whether it's a doula, midwife, lactation consultant, childbirth educator, prenatal yoga specialist, pelvic floor, physical therapy. Like there's so many ways that you can support birth and birthing women and the experience of it. And that many of you out there are doing that because of something you experienced, whether it was empowering or disempowering. It could be for different reasons, right? You might've had really awesome care providers and a great team that inspired you, or maybe you had the opposite. And so you felt like it was time for you to get in there and to shift up some of that energy and narrative. So kudos to all of you out there in the birth worker, birth keeper realms. You are so valued and so appreciated. And Stephanie is an example of this. So I love talking to her about it and getting her perspective on that. A couple of things to just make you aware of and remind you of. Check out the show notes. It has links to ways to connect with Stephanie, learn more about her, her podcast, which she actually interviewed us for as well, and offers from our sponsors, our partners that we collaborate with, more from us like our book, our merch, website, Instagram, social media, YouTube, all those things. You can go to the links and have fun. Okay, so a couple of themes from today's birth story, really stories, because there's details from multiple births in here for you, 
are hospital birth, cesarean birth, VBAC in a birth center, prodromal labor, birth as a spiritual event, and also an end-call birth when baby comes out in the amniotic sac, which is really cool to hear about those examples. Thank you, Stephanie. We appreciate you. Brief word from our partners and then Stephanie's story. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, We're excited to have you. We've been enjoying just chatting with you before hitting record. So we're thrilled that you're here to hang out with us on Doing It at Home. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. I. My name is Stephanie. I am a mom to three kids, and we actually have a niece that's been living with us for a couple years. Um, but I got into and excited about birth through my birth stories, which kind of happened which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, but they were all very different from a cesarean to a medicated VBAC to an at-home birth that was completely unmedicated um, and onto becoming a birth educator and doula myself. So um, I'm also married, which is, you know, he was helpful in all of that. We would <laughs> hope getting me pregnant as well as helping me give birth and, <laughs> and raise these babies. Um, we're actually coming up on our 15 year anniversary next year, which blows my mind. Wow. And I will have a teenager to no. Yes, he will be 14 in January. Anyways, that is a little <laughs> bit about me. <laughs> wow. Congratulations on yeah, that. Congrats. All of that is so amazing and so many magical things to have in life. And I love that you are part of that group that we hear about that is so moved and develops a passion and inspiration from their own birth experiences and then translate that into working in the birth world and being whether it's birth keepers, educators, supporters, etc. I love that that we hear that often and so I'm I'm happy to have you on board as well here sharing your stories and your experience. Can yeah, you Yeah, thank you. I love what I do. No joke. You have oh, to, great. right? I would imagine that's that's oh, that's so incredible. And so, just for a second, like break down what what you do with that on a daily basis, because childbirth educator, doula, and then you also have courses and a podcast, so you keep busy. Yeah, and I homeschool. Like as you're saying oh all this, gosh. I'm like, what do I do on a daily basis? Like I homeschool my kids, and we do that for the first half of the day. Wow, <laughs> incredible. Um, yeah. 
we ha- I have an online birth course. So what happened was I started teaching in out of my home after having my unmedicated home birth. Mm-hmm. I got I was like, holy cow, if I can do this, anybody can. Mm-hmm. And that led me into birth work. So I started I took a training, I started teaching out of my home. And it was before that training was complete, I was attending birth. So I, mm-hmm. I threw a post up, you know, does anybody want a free doula? Like, I just want to check this out, basically. Wow. Um, and I was so grateful to do that one for free. And also to realize as much as I thought intuitively, I was going to know exactly what that mom needs. I've had my own babies. I know how to educate people. I was like, uh, let's try this. So shortly after that, luckily she knew what she was doing. She was grateful to have somebody holding space for her, but I needed tools. So I took a training, a doula training, and then I started attending births. And then that kind of led into, I actually started midwifery school for a semester and had to pull back realizing I homeschool my three kids. They're still young. They need mommy. I can't commit to all of that. And at the same time was approached by um, my former business partner who was like, hey, she was also teaching the same courses that I did. Do you want to get together and start an online course so that we can reach more moms? And I was like, I am too um, organized, like type A for this. Like that was stressful. Like that's out of the box, you know? And then came around to like, yes, we need to do this. We have to help people. So that's what created my essential birth, which is those online childbirth courses. So the majority of what I do now, I have a couple of girls that work for me and they are incredible. I could not do it without them. Um, you'll see me on social media and things, but people access that online childbirth course. They get free access to me and an awesome community mm-hmm. um, within Facebook and stuff. And so my day-to-day looks like reaching out to community members, taking questions from people. I'm in my DMs a lot. I homeschool my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to keep my house clean, which is a joke most days. <laughs> like just, just everything that you can imagine, like being a stay-at-home mom and then having a passion for something. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure so many are inspired and that's that's like the dream for many i imagine who who want to balance it like have their kids be with their kids do birth work be in that yeah. space like you hear that a lot so to see you as an example not saying it's perfect every day but that you have a flow with it you you you're clear you're purposeful i love all of that and i heard two tips in what you just shared for both a future doula or someone who's training to be a doula or wants to be a doula as well as a parent a mom that as a mom, you know, sometimes it's out there, people want doulas, but maybe it doesn't work with their budget or their planning or whatnot, that it's possible to have a doula there hold space for you that maybe she's in training or new and is open to doing that to have the experience and the hours if that's something that works for you. And then on the doula side of things, if you're just getting started, put the call out like you did. Hey, can I come to your birth and hold space? And what, what I, I love that. So I just tips for people out there. If you are either a new doula or you want a doula and you're not sure how to make it work, there are ways to make both sides of that fence work. So. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Yes. Awesome. And will you share real quick the name of your podcast? Yeah. The name of the podcast is Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy. Awesome. Wonderful. We'll put links to all of that for the people out there. So let's go back a little bit and share with us why and how home birth came up for you because as I understand it it was not a first choice and then it also entered the scene after two very different births so how did all of that come into play and how did you make the choice that ultimately worked best for you yeah so I'll give you just a brief like I had said my first baby was born cesarean 
Um, and I know I knew enough after having that baby and getting myself a little more educated to know that that was an unnecessary cesarean. Mm. That was a medically induced provider caused cesarean, mm. um, which was kind of a bummer, but an awesome learning experience for me. So after having that experience, and I found I decided like, I wanted to take all the birth classes and stuff, but I didn't know where to find them. So I did hospital birth classes with that birth, which were basically like, here's how to be a good patient. Here's what we're going to do to you, (laughs) you know, Mm. Um, not how to work with your body and stuff. Um, But I found really neat birth classes at the end of that, that um, pregnancy, but they were like 12 weeks and I had like six left and it just wasn't (laughs) going to work out. So I was like, I'll wing it. It'll be fine. And then one thing led to another and I had a cesarean birth that I believe was completely unnecessary. Fast forward to baby two, and we were in Germany, which overseas in Europe, and especially in Germany, they're much more like natural minded. And um, so I had to meet with an OB, but you actually give birth with the midwives. And so there was like, they had a birth room and they had a birth tub and all that kind of stuff. Um, I did start having, I took a really good birth class with that, with that pregnancy, but I started having, I had prodromal labor for two days and pushing contractions at four centimeters. At this time, even though I took a good birth class, I didn't know things about positioning and, you know, a whole host of other things that could have helped me through that at the time. So I actually opted for the epidural. I was really nervous about that because my first baby, the reason that that ended in a cesarean is because he wasn't handling the Pitocin. And so I was really afraid that was going to happen again. But this baby did just fine. And I ended up getting an epidural and Pitocin. And I really was just stressed. I went from like a four to six centimeters in 20 minutes. And then a couple hours later, I gave birth to my baby. And that was an incredible birth. I had an epidural and I had a vaginal birth and I walked out of that hospital like comfortably. It was Mm -hmm. amazing. I loved that birth. Um, But then we were moving from Germany back to the United States. And there was one hospital locally where we were going to be. We were kind of in the middle of nowhere. And they said, oh, we don't care that you had a vaginal birth after cesarean. You've had a cesarean before. We plan on giving you another cesarean. Just very straightforward about it. And I remember being like, you're freaking kidding me right now. Like, Mm -hmm. I worked so hard. I know the benefits. I know this is better for me and my baby. That's not going to work. Luckily, my mother-in-law had given birth to one of her children at home. And I remember her sharing that story with me. She didn't do it with all of them. She just did it with one of her babies. Um, but hearing another woman talk about it in such a like positive, and that was my easiest birth, and we just did it right on the table and you know, whatever. Um, I remember thinking, kind of having that in the back of my head, maybe I need to go the home birth route. Hmm. And I was scared. I didn't know what I was getting into. And so from Germany, I started calling in the United States, looking locally, like who are the midwives that was on forums and looking up doulas again, in the middle of nowhere, even my midwife that I ended up hiring at that time was like over two hours from me. Like it was just kind of, that's what you got. But um, having that experience or that like positive attitude from my mother-in-law and because she gave birth that way, my husband was not really scared of this. Mm -hmm. He was like, yeah, that's what you want to do. Even though you've had these other experiences and never done it unmedicated, like I will support you. That really helped. So I started interviewing midwives and doulas from overseas. And, um, and then we came back to the States and, um, it was shortly after that, that I finally got to meet them. And then as I was preparing, you know, I have to say like my husband too, and he will tell you, I always say like, I'm not sharing this without him knowing, cause we joke about it now, but those first two births, he was like, it's fine. I got this. Like even the second birth, when we took the classes, he's like, I'll know what to do. Like, it wasn't serious. We weren't working together. He was like, you'll go into labor 
I'm good with emergencies. It's fine. And which, right, birth is an emergency. So that's mm-hmm. another. Yep. Anyways, so, um, so this third birth and he's like, okay, let's do this. You know, we were practicing our relaxation every night. He got me, um, cause like practicing it, practicing like a good deep squat is something that is really, really beneficial for moms coming up to, to birth. And so he told me, he's like, you love massage. I will give you massage like one minute for every minute that you squat during the day. I will give you a massage at night. I had a full hour every night. I am not joking. I was like, okay, I'm making mac and cheese for the kids. Like I'm timing it. Squat. I'm folding laundry. I'm timing it. So and pretty quickly too, I went from like being able to hold a squat for about two minutes before my legs went completely numb and I felt really uncomfortable to 15 minutes. And I mean like within wow. two or three weeks, wow. like 15 minute squat, which came into handy because I ended up in a pushing position for four and a half hours squatting. No, I don't want to scare anybody. Like it was a mental game for me. Yeah. <laughs> I could have pushed that baby out earlier, but I didn't. So, um, so that baby, yeah, then we kind of moved into the home birth setting. It was like, we've, we've got to do it this way. There's no other way Hmm. at this point. I wanted to comment just briefly on the thing of a hospital telling you your only option here is cesarean. I, that's so interesting is the word I'm just going to go with right now. And that you essentially, your choice then becomes do I go with this provider or not? And if that's the only hospital around you, then you're traveling or whatnot, because they're basically saying we won't take you on as a patient, right? Unless you're on board with cesarean. That's what I'm essentially hearing them say, like that that they won't take you into their care. Yeah. And I remember having a couple calls back and forth with them. And there Mm -hmm. was one time when they were like, you know what, we're actually really excited about you. Like maybe, you know, if you do try, like you could have a back. And I'm like, I am not going to be your guinea pig. Yeah. No way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was curious no. <clears throat> how many conversations you ended up having with mm-hmm. them. Was it, you know, one and done? They said, you're cesarean and you were like, okay, bye. But it sounds like you had a couple of conversations. And then what was it that ultimately got you to, to decide to not birth at that hospital? I think I had two conversations total and the first one was like checking in and they, it was like straight up. No. And then I can't remember exactly what happened, but I know I called back again and they, it was like, I think, you know what we talked with whatever, whoever, maybe that's what the first one was like, we'll talk about it. Come call us back or something. Cause it was, we've talked with whoever and we're kind of excited about you. And I'm like, I know I have prodromal labor. I know I have long labors. Like you guys will call it so soon, particularly Mm -hmm. since you're clearly not be back friendly. Yeah. That's kind of how it went down. (laughs) And then on another point, this is something that we've heard about often coming up for moms and families is planning a move while pregnant. And it could be overseas or it could be (laughs) across the country. And I was just wondering if you had any tips for that process of finding midwives, finding care providers, doing the interview process, because I'm sure for some that might seem a little overwhelming and daunting. You're already planning a move. You're going through a pregnancy. And now to try to find someone that you can't connect with physically, locally, and and you're organizing it all, just any feedback or tips that you found were helpful to you that could be, um, that could be great for someone listening that that applies to right now. Yeah, I I think now more than ever, we're in this like information technology age. And I actually think it's to our benefit in cases like this. And 2020 actually made that better, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and for all the reasons COVID was terrible and, and all of that, Uh, It really did open up the opportunity to have a lot of Zoom calls, Zoom appointments, um, just online interviewing in general. So I always tell moms, no matter where you're at, getting 
in touch with local communities in that area, whether that is a birth center, if you're looking for providers, I say local Facebook groups are super big. It depends on what you're looking for, for your birth, right? The women that are listening here are probably looking for home birth options. That's going to be your birth centers, um, researching local midwives, getting involved. You can ask local doulas, local childbirth educators. That's everyone that I would like pose and reach out to and just get feelers to, to try and help me decide who I wanted to meet with and how to interview. That's great. Mm, Thank great you tips. for that. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the birth story. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so paint the picture for us. You're now stateside. You have your midwife. You've been doing your squats and logging them to get those massages. <laughs> Way to go, girl. <laughs> what what was going on when labor was starting and you realized, okay, like we're going to have a baby soon? Yeah, so like I said, I have prodromal labor with my birth, um, all three of them, in fact. Oof. And this third one was the longest amount of prodromal labor. It was about a week. And mind you, this is my third baby. Like in my head, I'm like, I know when my baby is coming, right? right? No, I had no idea. I kept calling my husband home. I was like, this is for sure it. You need to come walking with me. I would have hours of contractions and then they'd fizzle out or I'd go to bed and then they'd start up and then they'd fizzle out, which is fine. You know, practice contractions are still good contractions. They're still doing something, Mm. but it can be emotionally and mentally exhausting. Like Mm. you are done. So that was probably the hardest part. Um, But when I did finally call my midwife, my contractions were about six minutes apart and they had been doing that for many hours at that point. They just weren't super strong. And I I strong enough that I was having to pause and like move on a birth ball and breathe. But in my head, I was like, I have not hit that active labor and I've been doing this for days. I don't know when to call her. And so I think it was like three o'clock in the afternoon when she finally came by and said, yeah, I'll come and and take a look. Um, And I was dilated. I was like six centimeters dilated, which I was like, what? Like, I've never made it here before on my own without an epidural. This is so cool. Um, And my, my labor was kind of interesting that way where those contractions never really got closer together which I can't tell you any reason to attribute that to other than I think our bodies know what we need and what we can handle. And that's just, that's just how I had to give birth to that baby. That's how I had to labor with that baby. So they were strong enough to do what they needed to do, but they were never like so intense and on top of each other that I couldn't catch my breath. Um, so that we did all kinds of things like with the the home birth kind of stuff. In fact, when my, my midwife came, she said, okay, take, take this tincture. We'll try and get things moving. Let's do some red raspberry leaf. Let's make sure that you're hydrated and you have something to eat, protein, carbs, fat. And we did all of those things and my labor just did what it did. And at one point she asked, she goes, do you think like you'll give birth 
like later tonight. And I remember just saying, oh no, like this is going to be a minute. And I love that she kind of put that on me to like, what are you feeling about this? Mm. And so she really did go off of that and kind of planned the rest of her day to be there. And of course it was, I was 41 weeks to the day. She had uh, several other labors that like all of us at that point were overdue. Nobody had gone and she could have had to be in any one position <laughs> like at any time. So I think she was like, am I going to be here? Do I need a backup? Um, but she did like, she stayed and it did end up being like a longer thing. And she stayed overnight. Um, my husband and I worked really well together with that labor and we had a doula this time. So, um, I was, I, since I was having my baby at home and I had two other kids that were ages two and four, I was really concerned about all the hands that I might need and stuff. My mother-in-law got to be there and her husband, my father-in-law as well. And so we did a lot of walking up and down the stairs. We took walks outside. I did a lot of like squatting and breathing. My favorite thing for a really long time was being on the birth ball, just tons of like circles on the birth ball, swaying motions, deep breaths, um, making sure I was hydrated, all of that stuff. And then I hit a point where um, I was like, I am so tired. I'm so exhausted. I need to go lay down. And sure enough, like, if I was in a hospital setting, right? Like that wouldn't even be an option to have. I'm like, I'm going to go lay down, be in the bed. Everyone's going to leave me alone. And I had two contractions in 45 minutes. Again, like my head just goes to like, if that would have been in the hospital, it would have looked like I was stalling out. They would have felt like they needed to do something. And that wasn't the case. So those two contractions were intense. And when I woke up to the third contraction that came after that, I just remember making a really fun noise. You know, I was like, oh, like something is happening. <laughs> um, and I told my husband, I'm like, take me to the bathroom. I have to pee. And then that it was like that same thing. And I just had this thought like, man, this better be transition because I can't do this much longer, which is a really common thought you have, right? I yeah. can't do this much yeah. longer. And so, of course, the midwife pops popped up at the door. She heard me making my really fun sound. She's like, how are you doing? Um, and so we did another check and it was, I was nine and a half centimeters and I had a little bit of a lip of cervix. And so I can laugh about it now, but my husband and I go downstairs. I'm like, great. Like the, the birth room is ready. We've got the uh, birth tub set up. Can't wait to get in the water. And I'm like, I better empty my bladder before we go in, go downstairs, get in the bathroom. And I have my first pushing contraction where like, I did not have control over that. I felt it. I look at my husband and I'm like, I don't want to give birth on the toilet. Like I have to get in the birth tub, right? Four and a half hours later. So we like get off of the, the, the toilet there and head to the birth tub. And I did, I labored for four and a half hours in there pushing because I had this mental, like, this kind of hurts. I haven't done this before. I don't know oh. that I actually want to push this baby out. Can I do this? Like, you know, all the like talk that is going through our heads. So when I was pushing and I was squatting, cause that was the most comfortable. Um, but when I was pushing, I remember going like, <gasps> like breathing out my nose, making it look like I'm working, but breathing out my nose. My husband's like, like, I can see you, you know, <laughs> like, I know you're not pushing all the way, <laughs> uh, but we had, we actually had a lot of fun during that time. Like he, um, he, just him being near to me. So remember, like I said, I love massage and I like all this hands-on stuff. Like that's what we practiced. But luckily we had other tools because when it came time, I was like, please don't touch me. Like, I want you to be near me. Please don't touch me. And then the doula was awesome because she was like, and I'm going to hip squeeze and we're going to rub your back. And she was doing all the stuff that I, I wanted her doing, but I wanted my husband just there, like right in front of me. So uh, we did that, like I said, four and a half hours. And I had 
a really neat experience with that. It's one that has changed my life forever and always and um, really brought me closer to my Savior. I happen to believe in Jesus Christ. It, it's interesting that I, at no other point during this pregnancy or labor, had been like praying for help or guidance or, you know, which maybe I should have been, but I wasn't. And I reached this point while I was pushing where I, w- I just remember thinking, I can't do this anymore. Like literally, I cannot, I'm not going to be able to push my baby out. And what does that look like? And I was going through in my head, if we have to call an ambulance, there's going to be people here I don't know. There's going to be bright lights. They're going to drive me on this really uncomfortable ride. I'm going to be around people that are planning to give me a cesarean and not help me finish the, the process here because I know what they think. Like I just had to work through all of that in my head. And it was, um, I looked at my husband and I'm like, you have to go set up the bed, like go get the sheets ready. I need to get out of the water and we need to try to push outside of the bed because I don't want to do what is happening in my head right now. And as he was coming back down, from setting up those sheets, I had this desperate prayer. And I was just like, Heavenly Father, I can't do this. And I'm scared. Please help me. And he came down and he's like, I am going to, my husband, I'm, I'm going to pick you up and we're going to go. Like, I'm getting you out of here. And I just remember saying, no, it's happening. Mm-hmm. And I felt this just rush of relief. And two pushes later, and my baby was born. And he was wow. born in the call. I didn't get to see oh. it. My eyes were completely closed. Um, but my baby was born in the call, and they just lifted him up. And there he was. And I was like, holy cow, I I just did that. And I couldn't have done it without whatever power just came from the other side there. It was so spiritual for me. Mm. So, um, but yeah, it was kind of funny because I we didn't find out what our third baby was because I had two boys. I was for sure. I was like, no, 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 it's a girl. And so um, on that final push, though, I had this quick vision of this green blanket that I had left in my son's room upstairs and just this like, I know it's a boy. And sure enough, I like pulled him up and I'm like, you're a boy. <laughs> and laughed, like, you're supposed to be a girl. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but it was awesome. It was beautiful. And I, I was like, holy cow, I can't believe that just happened. Wow. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And just as a... <laughs> For those, if you didn't catch it, Matthew, or someone's like, what's in call? That's when the baby is born in the amniotic sac. So the waters were intact when baby came out, correct? Yeah, right. It. And then what ended Man, up? Man, I, I wish I had a picture of that, but I don't. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I'm just curious because you mentioned it. What ended up happening with the minor cervical lift? Did it kind of just work its way out? And I just wanted to mention that briefly too, because someone that might be new for someone to hear that and wondering like, what is that? Yeah. And what do I do if that happens? Yeah, the great part about it was, and she said, it's, you know, there's a cervical lip, but it's bouncy. And she just left it alone. She said, yeah, when you feel like pushing, just go ahead and push through it. And I know different midwives in different situations will call for different things. Mm -hmm. Like, let me help the cervix over the baby's head or let's wait. You don't want to swell it. See if you dilate the rest of the way. But in my case, it was go ahead. Great, great. Oh, and so baby's here. You're having this this moment, this experience, I mean, can you, whether it's a combination of what you could process in that moment, because I know sometimes that's limited <laughs> and some things come after the fact, but I'm just curious how you have integrated now coming to this birth experience after the previous two and the differences in them and to not be sure on the journey or that you would have a home birth to then be having a home birth. And just, uh, I'd be, I'd love to just get your, your thoughts on that, how you've kind of integrated having these three very different births. 
Yeah, I feel really blessed to have had the contrast. Mm. Kind of like most things in my life, I like to, you know, have the rough against the beautiful. That's kind of a pattern for my life. And I've I've found that the births have done the same thing. Um, I it's why I'm so passionate about childbirth education and understanding the process, because had I had that kind of information with my first and second baby, things would have gone very differently. I guarantee it. Um, but yes, having that contrast, I feel like it gives me an opportunity to really empathize with women that Mm. have been in all different places and help them understand, like, it's not about any one specific kind of birth. It's about what matters to you. And so for myself, what was so healing and wonderful and perfect about that third birth was how I was treated and the empowerment and confidence that came with it. I wasn't necessarily seeking that when I was doing it. I didn't realize I needed it or it was going to be so good for me. But the the contrast between having um, people in your birth space, which is, in my opinion, the most vulnerable time of your life, right next to being with your husband naked, like literally like you were so vulnerable in those in those times. Um, but here you are like just same thing, like you are bringing a life into the world. Um, but on top of like the physical part of it, there is how you're being treated and made to feel that really weighs on you and even follows you into motherhood, like how you feel about yourself, how you feel about your ability to birth your baby, how you feel about your body and your its ability to do what it's supposed to do. Are you broken or are you powerful? And when I had people with that third birth at home who, when things were going really hard or I felt comfortable enough or even scared to say out loud, like this hurts or I feel like I can't do this. And instead of, well, yeah, should we maybe get you some medication or, you know, instead of things like that being offered, it was like, but you are doing it and you're doing great. And we're right here. Like, can I get you some water? And you're like, oh, like just that like mental switch and you're like, oh, okay, I, I am okay. And to have other people there too, like that midwife gave birth um, at, at home or unmedicated and so did my doula. So it's like you have people that you can trust. You're like, oh, they've been here before. I can trust that what they're telling me is true. And that made a huge difference. And that's where that kind of leaned me into like, I want to do what my doula did for me, for somebody else. I want to be the reason that somebody believes in themselves. I want to hold that space. So yeah, all of that translated into what I do today for sure. Oh, that's so well said. Thank you for that. I, that was so beautifully articulated. Um, Thank you. Going back to the birth for a second, how did the rest of the the day go? What what happened after baby arrived? How were the siblings? How how did the household carry on over the next couple hours? Yeah, that was my favorite part being oh, at home because yes. when I finished up with the birth, they were like, okay, like if you want, you can go upstairs to your bed now. You know, yeah. there's no nothing else that's required of you. I'm not going to stick you on a machine and still have an IV in you or shoot you full of Pitocin. Like you're at home, go relax. So the best part about that is everybody else takes care of all the mess and you and your husband or your new birth partner get to just relax and kind of take in that baby. I remember being so excited to like walk into my own shower and I could see my baby from where I was and showered. So we had that baby at like 420 in the morning Mm -hmm. and I didn't even have a chance to fall asleep after that because, you know, you're just hormones and everything and the excitement. And um, but we were laying there when uh, my two little came in and there was nothing like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that baby was fresh three hours old and those little guys came in, came running in and they were like, oh. 
like, there's the baby, you know, we, we put my little guy in my oldest hands. And first thing he says, he looks down at me, he's smiling, he goes, he has a butt chin. You know? oh. <laughs> and it's just these like cute little memories that you're like, oh my gosh, like this couldn't have happened in a hospital setting. There's no way, like they mm-hmm. wouldn't have been there. They, you know, maybe we'd see him in the afternoon. It was just so special. So yeah, everything is just like back to normal after you have your baby, the comfort of being in your own home mm-hmm. and in your own bed, there is nothing like that. Yeah. Recovering at home, not having to travel or go anywhere. It is gold. I recommend it for everyone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I want to go back to that portion of the labor where you said it was four hours and you you felt yourself um, holding back from pushing. You didn't want to kind of yeah. go there. Can you talk and share a little bit of advice now being on this side of it as well as being the you know the person in the birthing space, coaching and holding space for others? Can you give advice for the mom, mom-to-be, who might find themselves in a similar position? You know, transition has happened, they're ready to push, but there's that fear. Um, can you give some insight and advice based off your experience? Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to validate that fear. Like it's okay to feel that way and you're not broken and you can do it. Um, and, and two, I, we, it's kind of like the self-talk that we have, right? Like we do that all during our lives. We do it during labor. And so having positive places that you can go during that time, um, saying things like I can push my baby out. I'm strong enough to finish this task, you know, give yourself a couple deep breaths and then push on the next one. Like you kind of do that self-talk to yourself and that can be really positive. Um, the other thing that I think is really helpful is making sure that you have that birth team around you that's going to be really supportive. Like when I was sitting there doing that and breathing through my nose, nobody was rushing me. Nobody was saying it needed to happen faster. Mom and baby are fine. You know, you can let it happen as it is. And at the same time, um, it could have been helpful for someone to say, okay, now on this next push, I want you to try maybe not breathing through your nose <laughs> and giving a little push. Um, so I think a lot of it, a lot of labor is a mental game. Um, but believing in ourselves and, and being able to just knowing that, yes, you can complete the task. Yes. Your body's made to do this. No, you're not going to tear in half or any of the scary things that might like be happening in your head in that moment. Even as I was pushing my baby out, I was saying things like my body is staying together. I'm not tearing. I'm, you know, I'm like all those, like really like safe, comforting things. And I didn't tear. I mean, I am a tiny woman. I am five foot. That baby was seven pounds, 14 ounces. He is a week late. My biggest baby no tearing. And, um, you know, I say that's due to all the the preparation and love and everything that happened before. Mm. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you for that. I think such, it's such rich uh, perspective and, and advice, having gone through that experience yourself and just the way that you talked about it, you know, you know the, the awareness of, okay, if it was, if I was in that experience again, here's how I would approach it. So thank you for sharing that. And I also want you to talk a little bit about some of the preparation, some of the very intentional things that you and your husband did, because it sounded like mm, the two of you, team. yeah, you had a team approach to to the pregnancy and different things. You mentioned the massage, um, different things like that. So can you talk about some of the uh, things that you and your husband were doing to to sync up, to connect and to prepare for labor and birth? Yeah. Number one, I would say is our communication. Like our communication got better after a couple births. So if you can get that good at the beginning, I think (laughs) that's definitely a benefit to you. Um, So talking about things like 
when I am feeling pain, this is helpful to me. For example, like when I have a headache, how do I handle that? Do I like lights off and I want to be alone? Do I take pain medication? Like paying attention to how you deal with pain. Um, same with like the emotional stuff. When I'm sad and I'm feeling lonely, you know, does it help to have that physical touch? Do I need to be left alone? Do I want to go take a warm bath? Like, what does that look like? And then having that conversation with my husband so that he knew how to support me. And then there's like some of the really practical physical things that need to happen in order to prep a body for labor. Um, and so, for example, um, even like this is the kind of thing that I stress even on my my birth stuff that I talk about now, these like three exercises um, some of it I think is just, it's as much mental as it is physical. I am mentally, I am doing something every day to prepare my body for birth. It's intentional. And I think that matters. Um, and so that's things like pelvic tilts, that squat that I was talking about. Um, pelvic tilts are great because they strengthen and lengthen certain areas of our bodies that are specific to birth. They also help with the position of the baby. And then you've got the squatting. Squatting is excellent because not only are you going to be in some kind of squatted position, semi-reclined or all the way squatted, or your, your legs are going to be bent and taking on that pressure some way, likely during labor. Um, so it's good for strengthening those muscles, but it, it also, it stretches your perineal area. And so that's going to allow for the natural stretching that occurs during pushing stage. And it also shortens the vaginal connection. So like, think of, I don't know, I'm not going to explain this well. And if you're not watching me, it's not going to matter. But when you squat, like if your vaginal canal is longer, when you squat, it shortens. Mm -hmm. And so if you're creating shorter distance for a baby's head to have to go through, mm -hmm. well, that's going to be a little bit easier for you too. And then the last one is the forward leaning inversion, which is very positional, um, but it's also for comfort for mom. So you're like, you know, knees on a couch or, or a chair and you lean forward. Mm. So your bum is in the air yeah. and you just three breaths, allow everything to hang. And it actually allows ligaments to let go and um, loosen and stretch. And it allows your baby to have a good amount of room. So there were some things like that, that I was doing daily. Like I said, it was the mental intention and the physical act that I was doing. And then my husband and I got really good at working together for relaxation practice. That's something we did every night, most nights without fail. And it started at like 10 to 15 minutes. Sometimes it would go a little longer. A lot of times I would fall asleep, which is great. It means it's working. But we would practice things like, okay, I am going to, my husband would do touch. Like I'm going to touch the top of your head and I'm going to touch your forehead and I'm going to touch. And when he was touching, he was saying things like, now relax this area, mm. take a big deep breath and feel really loose here. And we go all the way through down to, to my toes. Um, and then it's the same thing. We try it. Okay, no touch and just verbal. And now no verbal and just touch. And we would add things like, okay, we're going to make sure the lights are dim and we're using a specific essential oil. And so really what's happening is like a muscle memory response. Mm -hmm. Like your body knows when the lights are dim and I smell this thing and my husband's talking to me this way or I hear this sound. It's like you don't even even have to think your body is like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to relax and be soft. So we did a lot of that kind of stuff. And then he did a lot of like meditation things where he would, he would just talk to me. He's like, okay, like you're in a dark theater and I want you to picture this ball and it's um, on the, on the screen and it changes colors and it changes shapes or whatever. And that kind of stuff, like as silly as it sounds was extremely soothing. And that's the kind of thing that would make me fall asleep. So it was like, I'm hearing my husband's voice. He loves me and I can feel that because he's working with me so hard on this. You know, he's telling me he's going to give me this massage that was his way of encouraging. He's making me foods that are really protein rich and really healthy for me. Um, so along with like we're doing these things, we're bonding as well. And then that follows you into that vulnerable space of labor. And I think we worked really well together because of that. Mm. 
I love all of that. Gold. That Two was, thumbs up. Five stars. That was great. Would recommend. <laughs> you got me thinking about subscribe. certain things. I'm like, oh, Sarah, we should be doing <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm making this. notes, too, because this will likely publish <laughs> for those of you listening after our baby arrives. But yeah. I am very pregnant right now as we're having this conversation. And so I'm like, yes to all of that. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I love how intentional the two of you were. Yeah. And to to just deepen the connection, the intimacy, the trust. Um, having those practices and being, you know, consistent with them, that all that is tremendous. And I appreciate the detail of you explaining exactly what you did. Sounds similar to when we did a hypnobirthing course for mm -hmm. Maya's birth, um, those relaxation techniques and, and all of those things. And, you know, a big part of it is, like you said, your husband was working very hard and, and you were able mm -hmm. to see him working hard on preparing for the birth. And I have to imagine that did something for for you just the trust that he could he's going to be able to be there and show up so powerfully cuz you're seeing him work hard on it it wasn't just yeah 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 i know what i'm doing it was no he's actually putting in the the effort and he's showing up so i love all of that that was great and i hope that listeners are inspired to incorporate some of the things that you've shared as they prepare for their birth so can you remind us where we can get in touch with you and how people can find you please Hey guys. Yeah. Like you mentioned, um, I have a podcast. There's well over 200 episodes on there now, which is just crazy. Um, it's pregnancy and birth made easy. And then you can find me I'm at on Instagram and all the social media stuff. It's at my essential birth. And then the website is my where you can get free downloads and look into the birth course or get signed up and, and connect with me. Fantastic. Stephanie, Wonderful. you are so awesome. I appreciate both the stories you can bring from your personal experience and then also clearly the knowledge that you have. You are gifted at what you do. And I'm very happy that you leaned into that inspiration and that passion that you had coming out of your births because I know so many families have benefited from it and will continue to do so. So thank you for doing what you do and being who you are. You're awesome. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me. This has been great. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved? Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.